The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Your safe space for tough conversations, exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony. Building resilience. Talking trauma. Radio Tony. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Radio Tony. On W4WN, a platform for the unheard. Good morning, Australia, and good evening, America. You're listening to Radio Tony, and today's show is another spotlight on the author. And just a reminder, if you want to listen to past shows of Radio Tony, don't forget to jump on the red website, radiotony.com, and also Radio Tony has its own Facebook page, Radio Tony on Facebook, and don't forget you can reach out and contact me anytime you want on info at radiotony.com. So today's guest is the amazing Tracy Tully, and Tracy is a speaker, mentor, author, and two times whistleblower. She travels across the world to speak nationally, statewide, regionally, internationally, and has done, done so for an a long time. Under the banner of her dot-com brand, she says that she can show you how to find the sweet spot in everything you do. As a motivation percolator, wordsmith and distiller of beer, Tracy creates influential speakers all over the world by helping people unlock their voice to lift their profile, prestige and profit. She teaches how to overcome fear of public speaking through motivation and resilience, funding a life lifestyle working anywhere in the world you can book one-on-one sessions with tracy and find your sweet spot at tracytully.com now tracy is uh in the uh wonderful position of having just released her first book and her first book is called fearless now fearless is a story about her two times whistleblowing within the Queensland government and she's also in the process of publishing her first children's books Gordon the Goat and Gully Kids and then her third book Queens in Sandcastles is due for release in 2020. Now Tracy is a virtual fountain of information and it is with great joy that I introduce her to our listeners today. Welcome Tracy. Hello, Tony, and welcome to a beautiful day today. It is indeed. Despite my technological hitches this morning, we are conducting this interview via iPhone for the first time. So here's hoping everything goes okay. (laughs) 
Now, Tracy, I want you to start by telling the listeners a little bit about your story. Thanks, Tony. So my story is about uh, the fact that I was a two-times whistleblower and disruptor in the landscape of government corruption and exploitation of uh, principals in the Queensland Department of Education. So the reason that I uh, wrote this book is it's a legacy to my children and to their children because I don't for one minute want to leave the history of my life on the internet up to some pumped up public servants of the Department of Education who really don't know what they're doing. So the aim of my book has a a huge political uh, angle, and that is to bring to attention to everyone the need, the urgent need, to review the Queensland Public Service Act, or the PSA, and adopt the practice of a signed statutory statutory declaration by people wishing to make allegations against others. So right now, as it sits now, it's a free-for-all. You can do whatever Um. you want. (laughs) You can say what you want, and uh, they take that for for fact. I see. So if you're wanting to blow the lid on something it becomes increasingly difficult for you to do that, doesn't it? So difficult that they muzzle you permanently. So they muzzle the mob is um, a nice blog I've I've just written. So they Mm. permanently, because you are employed, you are not allowed to speak out. But it gets worse than that, Tony. If you witness, as I did, and at the level I was at as as a Queensland high school principal, if you witness corruption and fraud and you so much as voice it, then uh, you are treated accordingly for your lack of loyalty. So it's very, very hard to do. And unless you have a lot of courage, which none of us do have because uh, they're ruthless, so that what they do is they start a campaign of character assassination oh. against you. Yeah. So, so mm. you had a substantial history with Education Queensland, and it wasn't as if you'd not been working within education for many years. And so I know we've talked about this before, but I just, (coughs) pardon me, want the listeners to get a bit of an idea of some of the things that you went through in your time with Education Queensland. Yeah, okay. So I've had a 38-year history with with them across primary and high school. So I ended up uh, a senior senior leader in the Department of Education and all my schools were violent and drug-fueled schools. So they weren't your normal schools. Uh, A lot of them were in rural areas with a, a very macho culture within that. So you put a female in power in a culture like that and you immediately have a problem. Now, the problem in Australia is a culture of the tall poppy syndrome and it's really prevalent here in Australia and specifically within this this particular department. So what happens is we see bullying as in pandemic proportions in Australia in schools and all the data and current research shows that too. So what happens if at the the basic school level for children is they're experiencing intense bullying and people won't do anything about it. So uh, principals are too scared to do something about it 
or they can't do anything about it because they're muzzled by the department because what happens is the department doesn't want to know about it. It's just yeah. too much hard work. And uh, they don't, uh, and it's all about politics too, see. It's not yes. really about the children. It's actually about politics. So when you allow others to casually call a person a name, so say we're taking it at the level of children and bullying, yes. it offers everyone the permission to do it. You yes. take it at a principal level and a leader's level, what's more problematic is that the administration confirms that this behaviour is okay. So they're yep. part of this character assassination. And when that happens, then re then they, they are really fostering very dangerous behaviour. And yep. so what they use to as a tool or a big stick to belt you around the ears with is the PSA or the Public Service Act. And they yes. have freedom to do whatever they want and it's totally unchecked. Oh, no. <laughs> so I, from a personal perspective, um, my kids are obviously in their 30s now, but I remember that my daughter had terrible issues with bullying in late primary school and into high school. And I remember back then how incredibly difficult it was as a mother to even get someone to take me seriously. I was told, oh, she's making it up or uh, she needs to grow a thicker skin uh, and all those sorts of things when I knew as a mother that she was in dire straits. And I even went so far as to try and gently talk to some of the mothers of the children involved. And again, it fell on deaf ears. I had meetings with principals and there was just no help available. So Tracy, did all of this lead to your eventual uh, retirement, so to speak, from education? Uh, well, actually, I had to retire, due, resign, actually, I didn't resign, uh, retire, I resigned yes. due to yes. health. I ended up in hospital in an ambulance with um, extremely high blood pressure and I was trying yes. to fight the department. So I had no choice but to, to leave. Uh, so with with this, as you're saying, with your, with your children, this happens every single day across yes. schools in Australia and nobody wants to speak out. But there are a couple of reasons why it happens. So number one is it actually it actually has a lot to do significantly with principal exploitation. So the right. department, and I can speak from, from the Queensland Department of Education, the department do not support their principals and they don't support them in their health and well-being. They uh -huh. have a piece of paper that does and they say, I'll go and ring an 1800 number. But that is not, as we all know it, supporting a person at all. No. And what they do is they flick flick the problem away. And it's yeah. very simple for a principal to do the same thing with a mother who comes in or a father or a child yes. who wants to report bullying, flick them away because it's in the too hard basket. The reason it's in the too hard basket is because our education system here in Queensland is archaic. It is so old. The structure of the organisation is top heavy with these people on these massive salaries and it yes. should be the other way around. The money and all the time and effort should be in the schools, but they're still in the 60s. So wow. you've got classrooms that are still in the 60s, but you, people don't see that because people don't go into those classrooms. Yeah. They're not open to the general public very often. Yeah. And, 
unless they're, unless they're a new school and they've got something to show off. So the, the prim, principals don't have the time to do everything and they've made it so difficult. Uh, the, the, the business of education is not medicine. It doesn't have to be difficult. And we've That's got correct. constant changes happening every day and so everyone's worn down. Yeah. Hmm. So, Tracy, do you – I know that you um, have not long been – Oh, fuck. Oh, wait. Um, so I'm just going to keep talking while you get yourself back on to your, <laughs> your phone, Tony. And uh, how are you going? All right? I can hear you. I just can't see you. Never mind. I'm here. My voice will do. Yes, it's your voice that's the main thing today. Goodness <laughs> gracious me. All right. Uh, so, so. We got to the point where you uh, were forced because of ill health to leave uh, Queensland education. Then what happened? Mm, I was very sick for a very long time. Yes. Uh, Yeah, very, very ill. And during that time, uh, one of the problems was obviously this issue of the corruption uh, within the Department of Education and the malicious, very malicious uh, uh, alleg- false allegations and the fact yes. that people were allowed to to make these allegations and 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 they're, they're pretty pretty strong. So I'll give you an example. I was worked very hard along with my deputy to secure a 1.2 million dollar trade training facility. Yes. Takes a lot of work. Uh, the project management of building something like that is enormous, uh, and they are political because uh, I had to fight. I had to rewrite my. Um, submission quite a number of times because I was out west and I wasn't on the eastern seaboard nor was I in the right uh, political electorate. I finally won after two years and this is all about kids so uh, it took me two years just to get through the the politics finally got it and then one of my PNC members uh, had a had a decided to have a car park meeting and actually accused me of sleeping with the uh, all the project officers who I hadn't even seen or met, it was all, everything's done online, uh, to, oh, to procure wow. this money. So this was the sort of, this is the sort of um, language and activity, that was it, just like a day-to-day thing. And because I was a female, if I had been a male, that, that conversation would never have happened. So that's what they do and uh, they, they character assassinate you. So that's just like one little thing. I, I could go on all day. But that's what they they can do and they had the power of doing and that person had the power of the voice because the department was backing. Wow. Now, I know when we've talked before, we've talked about some of the less than appropriate things that happened to your children whilst Mm, this was going on. Are you happy to talk about that today, Tracy? Yes, by all means, yes. So... uh, our son had uh, just gone back to school after a, a long period of time in hospital with meningitis, a very, very sick boy. And uh, he had obviously lots of long-term issues from that and was in school, had just got back to school. Yes. In the morning, the morning uh, of that particular day I'll allude to, and this is one of the chapters in the book, yes. uh, I had uh, I had a drug-fueled incident in the school where a young man, and, and let's let's uh, remember that uh, some of these boys you're dealing with are not kids. Uh, yes. this, this one was 17, so legally responsible for their actions and had a history of 
assault, a violent assault against others, which the department refused to allow me to exit him out of the school. Right. And he was a danger, absolute danger. Anyway, so he decided to bash a kid again and I had had enough and I wasn't yes. seeking confirmation from the department to exit him permanently out of the school. And uh, as I was doing that, he ripped off his shirt and he threatened me with all sorts of things and like he's going to burn my house down, kill my dogs, bash my kids. And it went on and on and on. He was going to do this. Uh, then I exited him off the school grounds and the mother came in holding a, a foster baby. Uh, all of these people were um, demonstrating drug use and did the same thing, threatened me and threatened me and, uh, you know, screaming and carrying on, taking over the administration block. I exited her and then the father rang and uh, he did the same. Now, unbeknown to me at that time, the, the young man who I'd exited off the school grounds had gone and rounded up a mob, a huge mob of drunken adults who were in the town, men. And I'm, I'm talking about a mob of 30. Yes. Very drunk people. So this is, in, this is uh, you know, in the middle of the day. And they advanced up the road to the school. So I had frantic phone calls from the staff saying there's, a, there's this drunken, angry mob coming up the road. And yes. I put the school in lockdown, full lockdown. Yes. And when you put a school like that in, a, in in that particular school, these schools are huge. They take a lot of work uh, to shut down in a hurry. And yes. uh, the biggest thing is you've got bush kids and they they, they just laugh. They think it's not real. Whereas yes. if you're in the city, they, they get it a bit more. So I was running through these corridors across this huge school um, saying this is this is for real. This is not. This is not a practice exercise you will hide. And they were good. They were really good. They trusted me and they believed me and down the school was locked down. I yes. rang the police and uh, and uh, they said, we'll be right there. We'll meet you at the at the front gate, which is pretty confronting considering that's where they're heading. Um, and it wasn't my first lockdown. I'd had quite a few lockdowns, some with yes. weapons and all sorts of things and guns and whatnot. So anyway, um, the long story short was they jumped the fence and came in behind me because I was out waiting for the police yes. and walking around. I just kept walking. I wouldn't turn face them and they, you know, right next to me. I could feel their breath on my neck literally making, trying try to force me to turn around so they could hit me. Anyway, school bell went um, and, the, and I had to keep them away from the kids as they exited out of the school on the buses. It was that bad. So we did all that. Teachers were brilliant. They, it was just like it was just so well done. We have phenomenal staff, and the kids knew. Kids, were, the kids were good kids, and anyway, we did that without any stress or worry to any child. No one got hurt. No staff members got hurt. Yeah. Uh, the police came, round them up, and off they went. I went back to my office to report it to my my um, supervisor, and just as I was walking back to my office, I got a phone call on my mobile phone, it was our son. And they had, um, the parents had picked up a group of kids and taken them to his school and got out of the car and they bashed him. And they bashed oh. him and bashed him and bashed him. Um, and nobody, not the bus drivers, not school staff, nobody helped him because everyone was too scared. These, these people were savage. Um, you know, it'd be nothing for them to pick up a baseball bat and bash you with it. So this boy was 10 years old, fresh out of hospital with meningitis and at the mercy of just everyone. They made a mess of him 
And uh, he rang me and I rang my boss and I said, mm, I can't do your report, I'm off. And so he rang the police in the hospital and he said, get ready, she's coming and you'll, you'll make sure you look after her, which they did. There was never any problem with that. The, the police were phenomenal. But what they did to, they were so caring, but they demonstrated to our son how yeah. they sorted the problem. And this was this was a good thing for him. So that he actually, uh, Sam, our son, heard the police uh, talking to the offenders and directing them to remain in their house uh, while they came. And uh, and um, they admitted on the phone to everything they had done. They were, they were highly drugged out. Um, yes. Admitted on the phone that, um, yes, they had done everything that, 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 um, that they admitted to everything. So yes. the police had go now to the hospital and uh, we'd, we'd done our statements and off we went. So I went to the hospital. They photographed it, obviously, and uh, and it came. the police had informed me that I didn't need to go to court because they were being charged. They had admitted admitted it, and, yes. uh, and you know, and that was the first time I was aware that the Telecommunications Act was brought into place as well. So yes. the father that um, threatened me on the telephone. So uh, it, so it wasn't. It, and, and our son, uh, you know, it was frightening. You can imagine how yes. frightening it would be for a child. Um, he's in grade five, and he said ten to me, "I'm not going back." Old. Yeah, ten years old. He said, "I'm not going back to school." Mum, I said, "No, it's fair enough too. You're not going back to school here." Yeah. And he said, "I want to go to boarding school." So he had a couple of weeks rest and recuperation, and we took him down to to boarding school and. Grade five is where he started his boarding school journey. Now, a result of that was then I was uh, then I had a malicious attack by parents in the community that my children went to boarding school. Oh but they no! Neglected to tell the department why. You see, it was just oh, you know, look at her. She's she's disloyal. She's sending her kids to a private school. Heaven forbid. And there, there was a lot of our kids went to private schools because. Uh, they couldn't access football there and uh, sports and a whole range of things they couldn't access there. And so but they turned their stories around to be malicious and they left out the real reasons why they got boarding school and said, oh, we'll, we'll just add to the, you know, the tall poppy here, we'll just throw in our 10 cents worth um, for the fun of it. So it's very malicious. So that was the particular story of, of our son. Oh. Um, which was which is awful, absolutely awful, and uh, no parent should ever have to witness that. And uh, and and I know they do. Uh, I know they do. Um, yes. So it wasn't going to happen in my school, but uh, it uh, happens. So uh, our daughter experienced a lot of the emotional and verbal um, abuse. Yes. So we ha- actually had a colleague whose um, whose child. Um, decided to take it out on on our daughter so we had a lot of that this peer peer principal uh, abuse going on it was just just revolting and uh, and it was just like a free-for-all so for me it's really important that no one be allowed to make an allegation against anyone unless it's on a signed stat, stat deck because obviously it's a legal document oh hello <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness Mm. Okay, that is so much better. It is. I can see you. Oh, thank goodness for that. <laughs> and I would usually let you see me at this time in the morning because I haven't even got any of my makeup or anything on. So, listeners, just to let you know, when I jumped on Skype to join the radio station this morning, my laptop completely would not let me in. 
And as it was getting to, normally I try and join at least seven minutes before the show goes live. And what happened was it would not let me in and it's getting closer and it's getting closer to our agreed time. And in the end, I ended up joining the radio station via mobile phone, which I've never done before. And I'm actually very grateful that it worked. And when I finally re uh, entered a password, then Skype's come up on my laptop. Hence the little bit of um, to and fro and uh, disjointed audio this morning for which I apologise. And so Tracy has been very calm throughout all of this, not seeing me, me dropping out, and she's continued to talk, which is fantastic. And you have to know that Tracy is an amazing public speaker. And this story of what she suffered in education in Queensland, Australia, is a must-read for people. So, Tracy, when you'd gotten to the point that you'd gotten out of Education Queensland, at what time did you think that you needed to write about your experiences and let other people know? Uh, well, my family, um, I didn't want anything to do with it, but my family were very insistent that I needed to tell a story. So my children... Yes. Uh, and my my mother, my, she's almost 90, and our sisters and my friends. So a lot of my yeah. friends have been hurt by it too. So they had yeah. suffered, lost their yeah. careers as a result of um, their association with me. So it was, it was yeah. very um, authoritarian. You know, it could have been another country running the, the department. So I decided um, in 2019, so last year in February, to travel down to Melbourne and uh, do a book retreat, an author retreat. Yes. And so yes. I did that and I started the journey of the writing. It was extremely difficult. It shouldn't have been, but every time I sat to write, it was it I would I'd have a bit of a meltdown. It was just Absolutely. very traumatic. It was an extremely traumatic exercise. I had a, a brilliant company, publishing company helping me, holding my yes. hand. And finally I got it finished this year. And it was amazing because the minute it was finished, uh, it was cathartic. I, I, it was yeah. just like, whew, big, it was over. It's over, it's out, and now I can move on to something way more fun, which is my yeah. children's book. So it took a long time, and I had to rewrite it a few times because it went to the solicitor for three yes. months, um, and they, um, you know, obviously went over it with a fine-tooth comb because obviously, you know, we've got really malicious people out there yes. who, have been given the right to do whatever they want and feel yes. it's their right. So I did have to be careful. And I, and that's one of the big things I was told all the time in my career, uh, they'll get you. Aren't you scared? Yeah. They'll get you. And I'm still getting that now. Oh, they'll get you. They'll get you. Oh. And this is the culture that we live in. And actually in February this year I was uh, threatened uh, oh. to go political. And I just laughed and said, sorry, the Department of Education doesn't own me anymore. This is my yes. life, my voice. I'll do whatever yes. I damn well want. Yes. Uh, and, um, yeah, so that, that's that's the, the licence they're given when they're given power to be uh, corrupt yes. and malicious. Mm. Yes, yes. So, Tracy, um, just going back to that, when we write our stories and mm. we're writing about the trauma of our stories, mm. it is really difficult, isn't it? Because you've not, I've written a tough book, you've written a tough book, and in writing what you need to write, you actually have to revisit some of the most painful, traumatic periods of your life. Mm. And the reason that we do this is 
not so much about ourselves, no. <laughs> but about the fact that we need others to be encouraged, helped, inspired, empowered to stand up for what's right. And if we don't write those tough stories, then we we don't give permission for others to stand up against the tyranny of bullying. And it's prolific in Australia and it's prolific in the education system and it's a very sad thing that people have to deal with. And so by writing your book, you wanted to give people permission to be fearless in telling their stories. Isn't that true? Yes, yes, to fear less because what I do is by writing, I invite the reader to stop handing their power over to bullies Mm. and the shoulds and the shouldn'ts and the, you know, and overworking and allowing themselves to be exploited. So it's all about helping people change their lives and by giving them a voice. And this was something that I heard, and obviously I counselled every day in school. My my office was full, literally like a, you know, I always used to joke, it wasn't funny, but it's like a a, a dentist, you know, next, next. And it was people um, it was counselling people, telling yes. me their problems, and I, you know, I was hearing everything, everything uh, from rape to incest to oh, to geez. you know, really, really sordid fetishes mm. uh, to every abuse under the sun with every every known object. Oh. Uh, I was, there's nothing I didn't hear. Nothing I didn't hear. I was I, was, I worked with um, the Argus Task Force on pedophilia, yes. pedophiles, yes. You know, trying to and they, you know successfully hacking into the school, getting kids. It, yes. It's um it was a full on full on work, and that's just that one aspect. That's yes. without curriculum or behaviour or anything else. So or you know looking after employees. So it's a ridiculous a ridiculous world, and I wanted people to feel safe again and yeah. know and understand that they have a voice and give them permission to use that voice and not be scared. Obviously, there'll be a lot of people watching to see what happens to me to see if anyone does come after me. Yeah, and I'll be watching. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, don't worry. My family, my family's very keen because they've had enough. They've had enough, and uh, you know, when um, I was stood down, obviously, because that's how yes. they root you out of the school because um, that, that that appeases everyone. Yeah. And uh, now I had my handbag emptied, and oh. uh, you know, a, a box of tampons fell out, and rude comments made. A highly oh. unprofessional body barge. Uh, oh. by, and witnessed, and, and no, no, and no, our department didn't didn't do anything and didn't care less. Just like they don't do anything about the poor kids that get bullied because they won't allow you yes. to. Uh, because heaven forbid, if you suspended too many kids, uh, yes. instead of looking at the crux of the problem about if that is an issue, which it is <laughs> a huge issue, yeah. Yeah. what sort of schools should we be building? Certainly not these beautiful, you know, stellar schools for for A, B, and C. It should be. For 70% of the population yes. who are behaviour issues. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's yeah. about standing up for yourself. Mm. So, Tracy, um, how has the book been received so far? It, it is released now, yeah? Yes, yes. So uh, it's uh, filtering into me this week. People yes. are getting online um, showing the book and say, oh, I'm reading it. I'm getting lots of phone calls. I had a, a late phone call last night saying, can't wait to read this book. And then oh, I'm so sorry because I know it's really horrible. And I said, no, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, yeah. and, and I've had an incredible amount of feedback. I've had a lot of kids, ex-kids, yes. 
yeah. who have written to me, texted to me, we want to be there at your book launch. Um, yeah. And it's beautiful to have that adult conversation with them. And thank yeah. you for, you know, being on our side and trying to help us uh, and, and do what I did a lot of programs for them to try and help us. And, of yeah. course, they took everything away. But yeah. uh, I've had really great really great response and I was quite surprised actually because I didn't you know you, you sort of have that little limiting belief don't you yes, that I you do you know, no I was yeah. going to be really interested yeah. uh, the cover's pretty spectacular though Tony it is, it is. beautiful cover I must say yeah 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 it's, <laughs> uh, the publishing company is the same publishing company Tracy used as as I use so um we're familiar with the owners and the way they work and they do such an amazing job so Tracy now that you've written a book and you've got the two children's books underway and another book due for release in 2020, what else makes up your life besides writing? Oh, gee, I'm a cosmetic um, tattoo practitioner as well. So in my journey in schools, obviously I was a very hands-on principal and if you're really doing your job properly, you're analysing data constantly and you're speaking to the kids constantly and you're doing one step better. You're looking at what are the jobs that are going to be around for the kids when they leave school. Yeah. Now, that was how I operated. Uh, I don't believe too many would have. And so what I did was because I had a school with 70% of vocationally, ed- voc ed, vocationally yes, education yes. inclined students, and that's the data for Australia-wide anyway, yeah. uh, so tradies, so to speak, I yeah. needed to look at the, what we did at the school to ensure that we had the high academics. So I brought in astrophysics. Oh. And- Oh. Uh, uh, maths three in those days that was the, yes, the top yes. math so here we are in the middle of nowhere and I, yeah, I delivered uh, yes. because I had to and then I looked at what other things what uh what did the kids want to do so yes. one of the things that came up was hairdressing and the other uh-huh. one was beauty and of course I yes. had to go and train in it uh, because I couldn't make anyone else do it, and I did. Yeah. I trained in it, and uh, we brought those courses into the school. Uh, in that training, obviously, I fell in love with uh, the I creativity. Was just say you found something that was really important to you. Yeah. Yeah. So then I found that when I left, I, I thought, what am I going to do myself? So, <clears throat> excuse me, I decided to go into cosmetic tattooing. So I started that my training in 2018. Uh Aha. So now you do lots of the really tricky tattooing too, don't you? Um, Yeah. For people that have um, uh, surgery, um, for women who have had uh, mastectomy and uh, some of the uh, nipple tattooing that is important for them to regain some of their self-esteem. And I know that in amongst everything else that Tracy does the cosmetic tattooing is a real love of hers yeah isn't it it is I I do love it and especially uh, on the face there because you know that's the first thing we see and and that's our three second snapshot of a person so I I had um, a bad cancer removed on my lip so my lip line on one side has gone so I'm just waiting uh, and then I'll have that re-tattooed back on Uh, So hair, lips, et cetera, the things that you could do, amazing. And my favourite is um, what we call SMP or scalp micropigmentation. And that's to add texture using a permanent tattoo uh, on your scalp so that you don't have a a peach, peach pink, uh, shiny scalp showing through. Uh, It it adds that texture there. So that's what um, 
I love doing. I love doing that. And I do that on the weekends and I do my um, lots of jobs. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> and uh, and I do, and I obviously I work with my um, TracyTally.com speaking yeah. programs uh, and yeah. whatnot and the books during the week and I'm just about to start my radio show with you. I know. I'm very excited that Tracy's finally going to start her wonderful radio show. So we're looking forward to that. And Tracy, you – so cosmetic – tattooing on the weekends and during the week you do your business now a fundamental part of your business is coaching others and I guess that's fundamentally where the book plays into your business because if people read the book they can see just what you've been through and how qualified you are (laughs) to coach people because you've been there you've done it and you've lived it that's right. So as, as a principal and, and obviously in these programs I was doing, I, was, I also was the first uh, school in the world to start Shearer training. So oh, she, yes, she, yes. Uh, so I've been on the national stage for a very long time uh, and especially with meat, in, you know, osmeat, yes. et cetera, uh, industry and uh, an expert in agriculture in that areas, those areas as well because that was just another yet another area that I um, brought in for our kids because they yeah. don't have anything out in those rural schools. So yes, I do do that. Uh, so I mentor. I mentor one on one. I do groups. I do. I've written courses. Yes. And I'm just about to launch on Monday um, a, a Christmas in July flash sale. <laughs> uh, five of my <clears throat> really, really, um, uh, really big programs for yes. a very, very cheap price, and I'll only sell them in 48 hours. Obviously. Yes. Um, yes. But it's something that I, I think it's great to do in COVID and inspired by Christmas in July is big for us in our family. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a special period of time for us. So I was going to uh, say for Americans listening, uh, Christmas in, Astra- in Australia is a hot, sweltering, humidity-fied event. And so we are pretty, um, those of us who don't like the heat so much, we really like our Christmas in July because oh, yeah. it's cool. And we can pretend like we're from a cold country. <laughs> we don't get much cold weather, do we? We no. certainly don't. We um, are usually, yes. Christmas is usually at the beach or by the pool or somewhere cool because it is generally hot, hot, hot. Yeah. One of my bucket list ideas, uh, one of my bucket list things rather, is to enjoy a white Christmas oh, in the too. snow uh, in front of a fire with snow falling outside. So that's one of my big uh, dreams for uh, sometime in the future. So, Trace, tell me about your children's books. Oh, yes, my love, my love of my life. So this has been a book I've been writing for a very long time and it was uh-huh. my coping mechanism actually. Yes. Uh, so I started writing this book when the kids were quite young. And what would happen is my husband's family, it's a very big family of Irish descent from out west. Uh, sheep, not yeah, yeah. Cattle, cattle property. And I'm talking about right out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And, and anyway, every Christmas the family would come together and they would tell me stories about this rogue goat. So this goat's <laughs> name was Gordon. And honestly, this goat had so many stories. He lived for, till he was 14, massive, massive goat with yeah. these huge horns like yeah. motorbike handlebars. Yeah. Anyway, I have been writing this book and it, and it's literally, it was, it was my passion, but it, it helped me, obviously, yeah. especially yeah. last year. And then I came to the point where I needed to find an illustrator 
and I came across this lovely fellow in Brisbane yeah. at um, at a, the Natasha Denman's book yes. workshop, yeah. and I met him. I didn't know who he was, and I was talking uh-huh. to him. I had been speaking on the stage, and he congratulated yeah. me. And anyway, he I said, I said, what do you do? And he said, I'm an illustrator. And I said, oh, I've been looking for an illustrator. And he said, oh, what sort of work do you want? And I said, oh, it's really tricky. I need a cross between foot rot flats and Thelwell. Yes. And the Hellwells are British, naughty little British yes. Shetlands, and yes. we all know and love foot rot flats here by Murray yes. Ball, who's a New Zealander. Yes. So uh, that's really depicts Australian life. And he just had this big grin. He said, oh, I do that. I can do that for you. So oh. he scratched out his information, gave it yes. to me, and it folded up in my pocket and off it went home. Yes. And I didn't think anything more about it till a couple mm. of weeks ago. And then I thought, right, this fearless is on its way. It's out yes. there. And it's doing its thing now. Now I can get out my really my real yeah. dream, my pet project, Gordon the Goat and the Gully Kids. So it's a trilogy. So I rang up Sean, not thinking he would be able to do it. Yeah. But before I rang up, I decided to do some research on him. Uh-huh. Oh dear! And to lo and behold, uh, Sean Lay is um, <laughs> a very talented political cartoonist. Oh. And he is uh he's been all over the world studying in the uk the usa he's won numerous awards and he is the queensland courier mail's political cartoonist he also has a um a cartoon called beyond uh the the back stump so a, a fascinating person so i had uh realize what I'd done in my ignorance yes. when talking to him. I mean, yes. when you see a cartoon, you don't see the face of the person. No, so I, you don't. And I thought, there's no way in the world this guy or I'm, I'm going to be able to afford him or this guy's going yes. to be interested in my book. And he's, yes, when can we start? And oh. I thought, oh, how wonderful. And I, it just opened up the world for me and it's yes. all systems go. So I'm about to book um, that appointment with him and go down to Brisbane and sit with him and uh, and and uh, uh, design yes. what, the illustrations for my book. And this yes. is a guy, the originals of his cartoons are included in private collections ranging from Steven Spielberg to oh. the Vatican. Like, oh. How lucky am I? <laughs> oh, Tracy, that's a wonderful story to how hear. How lucky is he? <laughs> yes. So when, when do you think we can expect Gordon the Goat out? Well, Gordon will be trotting out this year, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, and Gordon the Goat is a, is a fabulous story and it's based on, on real life. Yes. So in on these properties out west in those days, as my yes. husband was a child, um, the goats, they lived, they, these properties were like towns. So they yes. had a, their own brick kiln, they had racetracks, they had everything on them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so Gordon was used uh, to race with the billy cart races. <laughs> And so yes. you can imagine they didn't have much of a social life out there, but when they did get together, they'd get yeah. together for a few days and they'd yeah. have a lot of fun. And so they would bring out a, a, a jockey from Brisbane. Yeah. So that was, would have been about a, um, a 12, a 15-hour drive, drive. Mm-hmm. nowadays. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you can imagine what it would have been in those days. They'd bring out this jockey and he would um, win, obviously, on Gordon. And it kept Gordon alive, actually, because oh. Gordon was supposed to be goat meat sandwiches oh. because he... He um, took over Mother Mary's garden, beautiful garden, and and ate yes. everything. Mm-hmm. So he mm-hmm. was destined for the the meat house, but um, he was saved. And so the story is about Gordon and the properties 
animals and they're all Shetland ponies and yes. uh, Shetlands and ponies and sheep. Yes. And, and so um, my husband's mother and father had fabulous names for these animals. So yes. I've tried to include as many of those as possible. And and the stories, real real yes. stories that the, that the brothers have shared with me and that's it's just so exciting to be able to do it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. Tracy, well, you, it's well known my love of goats, and I have yes. um, seven. We've, we've actually lost two of our little goats know. this year, so it's um, a bit I sad. But, yeah. um, I have a real love of goats, so I actually can't wait for Gordon to come out so I can buy it for my grandson, who also has developed a love of goats since he was very little. Now, just for our listeners, we are very quickly running out of time, yes. but I have popped all of Tracy's contact details into the chat box from her uh, website, which is tracynoetullynoe.com, her LinkedIn, Facebook, Pinterest, uh, Instagram uh, links, and also her email. And so Tracy has a wealth of information, uh, courses, strategies. If you're thinking about uh, wanting to speak in public, writing books, Tracy's your girl who can help you with any of those things. And so that website, again, is tracytully.com. It's in the chat box. And Tracy, I always am delighted to speak to you you're an inspirational woman um and a uh, someone who i consider to be a friend as well as yes. a colleague absolutely and i look forward to seeing what happens with you in your business it's um it's a real privilege to get to know people from the start of their journey and follow them all the way through that and tracy is one of those people um her powerful story is fearless Buckle Up and Build Resistance by Tracy Tully. It's available now. It's on her website or just Google it. Fearless, Buckle Up and Build Resilience by Tracy Tully. It will be a wonderful read. And I think I've ordered a copy myself, actually. Oh, if you <laughs> have let me know. I'll just send you one in the mail. <laughs> oh, thank you, Trace. Thank you. Um, because I've been watching Tracy's journey for a long time and knowing that she's had lots of difficulties this year she's had to cope with a phenomenal amount of stuff in the birthing of this book and I tell you listeners it really is a birthing process and I'm privileged to have Tracy on the show today and soon we will be launching Tracy Tully Talks her own radio show and podcast and that will be starting towards the end of August and we will be uh, working on that shortly. So Tracy, we're going to run out of time. I'm going to leave the last minute for you and thank you so much for coming on Radio Tony today. Thank you very much and thank you to the audience for listening. If you want to, you can jump on Amazon, my book's there, um, Fearless, Buckle up, build resilience, and it's also an ebook. And I wish you a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to me, and I look forward to hearing from you and uh, and talking again with you, Tony, in the future on my own radio station. I know we love hearing from the audience, and uh, each week uh, Rebel sends me questions from the previous show. Um, at the moment, the chat is not working just because of the things that are happening in America and. Uh, 
topically it was about bullying so what will happen is any questions that you send in rebel will send to me and i'll pass on to tracy and we'll put them on radio tony's website um under tracy's profile and don't forget jump on her website tracytully.com and that's all for this week wonderful listeners i do apologize for all the technical issues today um i'm getting used to flying by the seat of my pants which is not the way i like to operate i'm appreciative for rebel and tracy and your patience this morning in uh whilst i sorted out those issues and tracy i can't wait to talk to you again soon and that's it for this week join us next week on radio tony uh this is your host tony lontis bye for now everyone cheers bye radio tony your safe space for tough conversations Exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony, a platform for the unheard. Radio Tony. With Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio Radio Tony. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Back next Thursday from 7pm Eastern Standard Time, live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Mom.